Hi, I'm John. I'm one of the pastors at Victory and I'm also the director of our provincial churches. At Victory, we are committed to plant churches all over the Philippines, believing that together we can disciple this nation. Hope this message inspires you to honor God and make disciples. Welcome everyone to our worship gathering today. This is an amazing time together where we are about to finish the first quarter of 2021. Amazing adventure so far. Now we have here with us, and we have heard a passage of scripture, and as we delve into it, I'd like to ask some questions just to prepare our, our word today. Questions that we can ask, what are we here for as a church? Who are we? We are Victory, and we are a member of this family of churches called Every Nation. And we are here basically as part of this family of churches called, called Every Nation in the World. We are here to establish Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. That's how simple, just to explain who we really are. When, well, every week we try to summarize it by saying we're here to honor God and make disciples. But at any rate, part of who we are is not just planting churches. It's not just the nations, but campus ministry. And today I want to focus on this for a while before we kick off to a new series once again starting next week. And talking about campus, we're talking about uh, a different kind of young people at this uh, at this juncture, especially during this pandemic, this global pandemic caused a lot of young people to become awakened to their surroundings, to what, what is happening around them, uh, not just politically, but even as far as gender, as far as, far as um, environmental consciousness. And we have this all across the board, not only in the Wests, but even here, especially in the Philippines, we are more into a, inclined towards politics. And so that is uh, something that is very, not unusual, but it is expected, from, especially from among young people. So I want to focus on that passage of scripture that Apostle Paul had mentioned a little bit about the youthfulness of Timothy. And we're going to dissect that and try to find out um, what we can glean from that so that our young people today, whether they are doing hybrid in the campus, online or on-site in, in the campus, at least we get to equip them on what the Bible has to say about how we as young people, and I'm adding, I'm including myself there, <laughs> all of us, at least young at once, and for those of you who are students and young today, I believe this message is not just for the young people, but for all of us, uh, if I should say that. And as we move on today, there's this one word that had been basically been, been used way back in the 1940s, but it has been uh, creating some traction nowadays, especially in the early uh, uh, 2017, uh, 2016, and that word is called woke, 
W-O-K-E. Woke. It's not new. It has been there and been used since 1940s. But apparently, it has been included in the Oxford English Dictionary way back in June 2017. Yes, it is now part of the mainstream as part of uh, the Oxford English Dictionary. And basically what it means originally was being well-informed. When you say a person is woke, it's person is well-informed, up-to-date, and what's happening. Uh, now chiefly, basically alert to racial. They try to, that's how general it could be, but it's been more focused on one aspect, which is being alert to racial or social discrimination and injustice. Here's a picture of... Uh, these woke folks in the West, and it is spilling over even to our nation, and we've seen that happening, uh, especially the, first, the second half of last year, uh, when this pandemic came and young people just became more sensitive of all the issues that are happening around them. And so plainly, woke means being aware of the truth uh, behind things, the man doesn't want you to know. Yeah. So meanwhile, there's a concurrent definition, though. It signals a shift in meaning, and this is basically what I'm trying to point out today. And that is, woke means the act of being very pretentious about how much you care about social issues. Yes, it is basically had just been reduced to nothing but an act of pretentiousness, being pretentious. In other words, it's more like a veneer, an, an, a, a facade, but there's no substance backing up that facades. And that's basically uh, the general and the, the, uh, the plain definition nowadays. So woke... It's not necessarily a virtuous characteristic of a young person nowadays. It is now being relegated at something becoming just pretentious. And so, having said that, making usually, and pretentious basically means making usually unjustified or excessive claims, like on social or political issues online and elsewhere. It's just unjustified and excessive claims, but nothing uh, behind it. Now, that has been uh, part, I'm I believe, of the, the nature of this aspect that Apostle Paul tried to address, and we're going to get into that. But before we get into that main focus, I'd like us to see the background of the second letter of, of, of uh, Paul to Timothy. He has two letters, and the second letter was given, and part in chapter 1, he basically laid out the principle behind all the imperatives that he has spoken at the later part of the letter. But at the onset, he laid down the principle behind all these imperatives, the indicatives, the principle, the spiritual principles behind the actions. And it's found in chapter 1, verse 8, later part of verse 8 up to verse 10. Let me just read this to us today just to lay out the foundation of this message. But share in suffering for the gospel 
by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages begun. And verse 10, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I'd like you to notice that. In verse 8, it says, for the gospel. Later part of verse 10 says, through the gospel. In the middle, he was saying, not because of our works. The gospel then is based on the very acts and grace and mercy of God. This is where we're coming from. It's for the gospel, through the gospel, not through our works. I think that's very crucial before we start talking about what Christians can do today, uh, what believers can do today. It's either what believers could have done during their time or in church history or during our time today. I think we have to establish first the foundation that what we get to do as believers has something to do with the basis or the works of the gospel. It is because of the gospel of what Christ has done that we get to do and make impact in our society. What we get to do today is just the result of what he has done for us. Now, having said that, let's go dive in to his instruction to Timothy right here in this second letter. Verse 20, and it says, chapter 2, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, and it says here, Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of good and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Now, I've just mentioned to us that not of our good works, not of our works, but for the gospel, through the gospel, that we get to do what we are able to do today is because of His grace. And yet, what we do today is the result. And Apostle Paul called it good works. In other words, out of that gospel came the ability to do good works. In fact, it says here, ready for every good work. God is expecting you and I listening to this right now to be ready for good works. I'm not saying all of us to be frontliners. Somebody has to stay home and somebody has to support. Some are in the front lines. But all of us are contributing for the betterment of mankind. And it is seen more clearly and magnified especially during this time of pandemic, where each and everyone's contribution would help affect or if, uh, bring transformation in our society today. And so I'd like to uh, highlight that, but another 
another aspect of the letter of Timothy that I like, to, I like us to see in second, uh, the second letter. Let me jump right into 2 Timothy 3.17. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Once again, Apostle Paul mentioned the word good work. Equip for every good work. Another part of uh, this, uh, uh, chapter 4 in 2 Timothy. It says, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist. The word work was mentioned three times in the later part of the second letter just to emphasize the imperatives, the importance of us not sleeping during harvests, not just being out there sleeping, but I like the idea of being awakened, but not awakened to the, the having a facade of something virtuous, but awakened to the point that it would cause us to act. And that's the good work that the Lord has prepared for us to do. And I want to focus on that today. Then the second part in preparation uh, uh, in verse 2021, then he mentioned specifically to Timothy, verse 22. And that's the focus of our message today. And I've just given you a long introduction to a short uh, 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 verse uh, prepared for us today. Now, there are three exhortations given to be of honorable instrument for God's work, for good work. And here are three exhortations I'd like to share with us. And the first one is, first, he says, run away from worldly hindrances. Run away from worldly hindrances. I'd like you to notice verse 20, the first part. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with others with a pure heart. Now, the point here is the first Part of this exhortation is to flee youthful passions. And specifically, Apostle Paul used the word youthful. He could have just basically mentioned flee from all these sins, but he didn't. He made it specific because Timothy was a young person. And so he, you know, youth is besides the zest for life. There is this, what we call in Tagalog, kapusukan, mapusok, youthful passion. Um, Apostle Paul used it in a negative term. Um, and he's saying, I want you to run away from worldly hindrances, his own version, youthful passions. And, and that is very crucial. And yet, in, in the first letter, he's also addressed the issue of fleeing. This time to the man of God. He called Timothy man of God in 1 Timothy. He, you know, I mean, he, he was younger in 1 Timothy, and yet he called him young, young, young uh, man of God. And, but the same thing. He was asked to flee from the negatives. What are the negatives in, in the first letter? Let me read it. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. What were those things? Well, he itemized them. Before that, in verse 11, he itemized them, and he mentioned about false doctrines, avoiding 
being conduit or hearing false doctrines, greed, discontentment, conceit, quarrels, envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and so on and so forth. Basically, he wanted Timothy to flee from all these negative aspects of life, from these worldly passions, these youthful passions and hindrances. And that's very crucial. Now, if you are here listening to this, what would be those negative things in your life? Could it be the pretensions? <laughs> Trying to, you know, post on our Facebook, you know, photos of frontliners helping the, uh, the sick or, you know, people giving away PPEs and people distributing foods on our IG and on our different platforms, whether Twitter or Facebook. And it's not even us in the, on the picture. Sometimes we just retweet it or repost it on our Twitter, on our Facebook account. And we repost it on our IG. And it may not be necessarily us. But we pretend to be that woke and then we look down on others and says, look at what I posted. What have you been doing? And then we challenge others and we speak ill of others. That's pretentious, being pretentious. Um, I, like, I like this author by the name of Jordan Peterson one time. He, he was a, a Canadian philosophy uh, psycholo uh, psychology professor. And uh, he answered one question in, in, in a Quora app, on a Quora app. It's, a, it's an app that's well known to a lot of people. And uh, there was a question there uh, regarding uh, this. The question was, this, this, this was the question. What are the most valuable things everyone should know? Very general, generic question. What are valuable things that everyone should know? And he gave his answer. It's quite long answer. And guess what happened? It was upvoted. Several times for around, it was upvoted for around 2,300 times, viewed 120,000 times, and it became so viral that even his students would come to him and ask him, hey, sir, I like what you posted, <laughs> even his students. And, uh, and, uh, and what happened, it became so viral, he decided to make it a book. He wrote a book entitled uh, Seven Rules for Life. And the sixth rule was this. Set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. <laughs> Very simple principle. He said one of the things you have to know that everyone should know is set your house in, in perfect order before you criticize the world. It's almost like the same with Apostle Paul. He says flee from youthful passions. Set, a, set in order your house. Or should I say, start cleaning up your room first. Do it daily before you start projecting your virtuous opinions on politics and in the environment and hide behind pseudo-collective responsibility. That's it, the summary of his response. I'm just repeating it. Basically what he's saying, why don't you fix your own room first? Go clean up your room, your own room. Then you go and talk about changing the world. 
Sometimes we do this. Sometimes young people would do this only to boast to their friends. But really, the substance is what it is lacking. And part of that substance is back up your words with your action. Let's start with small things. Be responsible. That's what it is all about. Now, the second imperative, second exhortation. First one is run away from all these worldly passions. Number two, run after his kingdom and his righteousness. You run away, then you run after. You can't run after something if you don't run away from something first. Then you run after his kingdom and his righteousness. For it says in the same verse, verse 22, pursue righteousness Faith, love, and peace. Now, in in, in the first letter, uh, he added some other items. In in first letter, chapter 6, 11, it says, "Pursue Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and steadfastness, and gentleness. Now, he added some bits, but here it was a bit summarized. But nevertheless, if you look at all these things, what he's saying is, run away from the negatives. Run after these positive and virtuous acts and, and characteristics. And, and I, I just uh, vividly remember uh, when uh, we used to call our young people before uh, Youth on Fire, way back in the 80s, in, uh, early 90s, Youth on Fire. And then it became Life Box, you know, uh, because of the acronym of LIFE. Leadership, integrity, faith, and excellence. All positive. And then uh, we would do conferences called Ignite. Now, these are strong words. To ignite the fire in the hearts of young people. Very positive. And, and, uh, and that's very crucial. I'm wondering, what are those positive things that we want to pursue as a student? If you are a student right now, or you are a professor... If you are a parent, I would love for you to let these three positives be seen in your student, in your scholar. <laughs> you know, I'm done with my scholarship in the Kabiling home. Uh, my scholar already graduated cum laude. I'm so proud of her. And, uh, and, uh, but, but there are three positives I'd like them to pursue. If there are relationship goals... There are also campus goals. Number one for me is academics. If you are a student, this is a good positive virtue that you have to pursue. The reason why you're in the university is so that you can excel in your academics. Some of it for three or four or five years, depending on your courses. Some of you, you love your university so much, you stay for six or seven years plus summers. But my point is academics. Pursue that. Second, you know, whatever you do is what the scripture says in Colossians. uh, Do it, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. So that's the perspective of a Christian student. You do this for God, not, not just for your parents. Not just to have a good testimony to the world, but you're doing this for God. Um, you know, I was a student, and I could imagine when I was a student first year in, in Manila, 
I, I had a hard time adjusting. My grades, first semester, first year, where I had three failing grades. <laughs> yes, it was bad. It was so bad. I was so thin. When I was uh, 18 years old in college, I was so thin. I go sideways. You can't see me anymore. I, like, I, was, like, I was like that uh, mic stand right there. Maybe you can see it on the stage. I was so thin. I had a hard time adjusting in Manila with all the pollution and the hunger. And, and my grades, I, I had a hard time adjusting even in my university with all the pressures, the recruitments from different fraternities. I was, I was like, sa Tagalog, we call it praning. You know, I was, I'm being pursued by different organizations and fraternities in my university. Plus the pressures of academics. I went back home with failing grades. Well, my mom spoke to me and says, basically encouraged me and says, you can do it, son. It's just, it's almost like saying, kaya mo yan, anak, normal yan. Parang, huh? Well, uh, uh, at least that was a word I needed to hear at that time. But it's not necessarily normal in different homes. But at least when she said that, it gave me hope. I went back to my university encouraged. And uh, that's academics. By the way, when I came to know Christ, my grades became born again as well. And that's another testimony. The second campus goal, if you are a believer, a student, you're a parent. These are the things you have to look for in your son. You're, you're, you're sending to the university or high school leadership. Leadership. Uh, you know, God has called us to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. There's that innate nature, calling and mandate on us as believers to be leaders, to lead by helping, by serving in our classrooms. You don't hide behind when there's a responsibility or assignment to do. You volunteer, you serve, help your classmates, help those who are being bullied. That's what a leader is. A leader is not somebody bullying other students. That's not leadership. That's insecurity. What we need are leaders who uphold uh, uh, other students and encourage other students. Leadership, academics, leadership. And guess what's the other one? Missionary. We're called to be missionary. Uh, we, are, uh, 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 we, we carry the gospel and the good news. We are... So those are the positive calling of a, of a Christian believer. Um, if you are a student, we're called to believe God for wisdom for our academics, to be leaders. Uh, there was a guy by the name of Alfie Kahn. He says, children learn how to make good decisions by making decisions, not by following instructions or directions. In other words... Uh, that's what leadership is. You're able to make decisions. And you learn that while you are in college, while you are in the university or even in high school. You learn leadership. We're here uh, to become leaders. We are future leaders. So we learn leadership where we are right now. Some of us are online. Some of us are uh, doing hybrid in our education. But even then, we can still believe God to learn how to lead. And obviously, the last one is to become missionaries. We only have three to five years in our universities, depending on our courses. You're called to be 
champions for those who are uh, being bullied, uh, champions for those who are marginalized. So therefore, we're carriers of good news. We're missionaries of good news. And that's, what, that's who we are. And that's my challenge for us. And I'm sharing this because, uh, because it's not only that this is uh, important to you as a student, but this is important even to all of us. What we get to do when we are younger will be magnified when we, when we become older. And, uh, and so here are the instructions, the exhortations Apostle Paul had given. Run away from these worldly hindrances. Run after God's kingdom in his righteousness. And then the third one is run with people passionate for God. Run with people passionate for God. It says here in the later part, verse 22, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. From a pure heart. We're talking about how can a person have a pure heart? It's because of the work of Christ. That's the only thing. And we, and we run with people, along with those people who are passionate for God who have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We can't do this without one another. We run away from these negatives. We run after what God has been calling us to do. And I say, we run together. We can't do this alone. We need one another. There was a... Uh, there was a, a tweet I've seen uh, the other day about brothers who were always fighting and the parents did something in order for them not to forget to work alongside together. And this is the photo right here. You'd see it right now. Their, their father put them in one large shirt. The two of them together with one in, within that large shirt for a day. <laughs> what a punishment. Well, that's important. We got to learn how to work together. And, 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 and so this is, uh, this is what we're here for. And I'm sharing this to us today as a major lesson for us today. The best life that gives eternal meaning and purpose is the one that is lived with others for Christ. What gives us meaning and purpose is actually a life lived with others for Christ. A sense of meaning and purpose through the implications of the gospel. The question now I'd like to ask us, are you ready? Are you ready to do that good work that God has prepared for you and I? Since I've become a Christian and been part of Victory, I realized that we have become unapologetic about reaching the campus. Maybe because these missionaries went to my campus. We, they went to my campus to reach out to a provincial guy like me. We were, we, we, we were given an opportunity to choose and look at the horizon and plant churches in affluent places in Manila but because of this calling that God has given us as a church, 
we planted a church in what we call the graveyard of church planting university belt. Why was it a graveyard? Students don't have money. The only thing happening in the U-Belt, future leaders. They believed in these provincial kids like I was and trained us to be where we are today. We are not changing gears. We are in the same business of reaching out to the campuses in the different nations of the world up to today. And we are endeavoring to do this for the next 100 years and beyond. Would you be part of this movement of believing for the next generation? I want to end with this by saying, reaching the campus is worth all our combined efforts not just to sustain our movement for the next hundred years and beyond, but for the sake of God's kingdom. Join me today as I pray. Father God, thank you for this morning, for showing us that as a church, you've called us to honor you and establish Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches and campus ministries, not just in the Philippines, but in every nation of the world. Thank you that I'm part of that movement, Father God, that you have given us, as Lord, that you have made us part of this movement. Lord, as much as we value and we respect different movements and churches with different emphasis, Thank you, Lord, for giving us the burden to reach out to the future leaders of our nation. And these future leaders are found in the universities today. We're grateful to be part of it. Lord, once again, all of these works, good works, are all because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not because of our good works that we get to earn it but it has been accomplished by the gospel. And because of this, you equip and prepare us to do good works as a response to that same gospel. We're grateful. Lord, bless those who've been listening to this message wherever we are, whether in our living rooms, whether we are on site, whether we are here in the Philippines or abroad. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be carriers of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody say, Amen and Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. You can visit victory.org.ph to find a church, join the Victory Group, and give online. Thank you for partnering with us in discipling the city, the nation, and the world through your generosity. For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts.